the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Everything is at stake. The destruction of our planet is becoming real life. This podcast tells the story of misfit teenagers struggling to band together and help our world through this crisis. Episode number 46, A Mystery Man Visits by Night. Preparations for the concert were moving fast. Ellie and her friends got involved with Sammy to organize the coffee shop for the big night. They borrowed chairs. They set up a makeshift stage with plywood near the back wall by the new shelves and decorated the walls with posters of bands. Phoebe and Stephanie met twice for lunch and planned their outreach to their old classmates. On another hot, still night, just two days before the concert, Phoebe decided to walk home after work under the sycamore trees on Hobart Avenue. She needed a quiet place to think. I feel like I'm getting lost somehow, but I like these music and soccer projects. They're good. All the excitement for families and teens, the success the toy store and the coffee shop, these things may seem small, but they fight back against the Morphe effort to buy up the town. Gilligan and Sammy are doing well. That's a good thing. And yet, what about finding Abby? What about all the things Jeremy and I talked about, like being a team of detectives and cracking the code of these mysteries. Lately, we've done nothing. Jeremy and I haven't even discussed our adventure into the forest. And George and I have not talked over the past. And I've shared nothing with him about the discoveries Jeremy and I have made. Worst of all, my goal of helping Abby and bringing her into the group has made no progress at all. As time goes by, the Morphe crew is moving into Middletown, becoming more dangerous day by day. What was it the old man said? Never forget how much they desire, enough to destroy everything. No wonder the Morphe people are investing in Middletown, buying land, investigating the history of every sliver of dreamstone they could find, and hunting relentlessly for Abby. A person likely to know much more than is good for her. In my dreamstone vision, I met Abby as I tried to follow the old woman through the night. Abby led the way. Doesn't that mean that I should look to Abby for guidance? A sense of direction in this strange adventure? But where is Abby? Don't I have a responsibility to find her? To walk with her in the dark? 
I should be doing something and not just waiting. Phoebe pondered these problems as she walked along, oblivious to her surroundings. It was cool and quiet on Hobart Avenue under the tall old trees, spreading their leaves in the light of the half moon high in the sky. After a block, Phoebe became aware of the sound of steps behind her and realized she was being followed. A quick glance revealed a dim human form in the shadows half a block back. She scanned her options in a couple of seconds and decided to turn left on Pine Grove Avenue and see if the man stuck with her. Hobart Avenue was dark and deserted, bordered by fields of corn and apple trees, but Pine Grove was well lit with houses. As she approached the turn, the man began to whistle. There was something so familiar in the tune and the faint, uneven notes from an obviously bad whistler that Phoebe instantly knew who he was. Dad, that's you. He quietly met her on the deserted sidewalk. What are you doing here? You were looking for me? Well, here I am. You're a hard one to find. You're never around. I know, I know. I'm sorry. But I'm here now. Uh, let's go down Hobart to High Street. Tell me everything. Walking along the edge of the cornfield, away from the tall trees, the open sky spread out above them. Her father turned to give her a look of concern, his large face very distinct in the pale moonlight. I'm worried about Abby. She was supposed to get in touch with me weeks ago. She has this idea that she wants to work at the toy store and maybe live at the church. I even spoke to Reverend Tuck about it. People are hunting for her. I know, I know. He glanced around and kept his voice very low. Ah, I thought this business would calm down, but it seems to be reaching a crisis. They're convinced that Abby is Wendy's apprentice and can lead them to Wendy or her medicines or... or even Dreamstone itself. Phoebe moved closer to her father and spoke urgently but softly into his ear. How much do they know? What can we do? They suspect, but they don't know. They're beginning to search the forest, but so far have found nothing. Is Abby really Wendy's apprentice? And what are these medicines? Abby stays with Wendy on and off. She's been there a lot this month, working in the garden. In that area, she's Wendy's apprentice. But concerning Wendy's um, 
other arts? I don't know. What other arts? What does Wendy actually do? What does she do? <laughs> More than I know, I'm sure. But here's a thumbnail sketch. Wendy has a special room, uh, a sort of kitchen laboratory type of place where she makes medicines from plants. And Wendy seems to be able to, well, foretell the future better than most people. Not that she knows exactly what's going to happen, but she knows more or less what to expect. And she talks to animals and moves around mysteriously. You know the rumors that, well, she flies? <laughs> I'm not kidding. How can I help you see? Listen, try this. Almost no one knows, but last February, I think I had a pneumonia. I, I couldn't get rid of a cold, and then suddenly I got very, very sick. I had a raging fever and thought the end had come. We were out at Hidden Valley, and your mother hiked back to ask Allison and Chi-Chi to get me a, with a stretcher and carry me to the hospital. I, I could barely walk. Peter stopped and spoke to Phoebe, face to face, in a dramatic whisper. Before they returned, in the dead of night, Wendy was suddenly there, in my room. She lit candles and heated water, and maybe some herbal tea. I thought I was dreaming. She had a small container, a sort of a metal cylinder, that would fit in your open palm. She opened the screw top and there was something inside that looked like an enormous red jewel. The light twinkled through it like a star. She called it the vegetable stone and sort of cooed over it. <laughs> then she dipped the bottom of the canister in a bowl of hot water and the jewel melted. It, it became a liquid. She put a couple of tiny, tiny spoonfuls in a cup of tea and made me drink it. A fragrance filled the room that I, I can't describe. But one thing for sure, I began to recover immediately. In a couple of days, I was well. Since then, I've been in better health than I've felt in years. I, I think since I was young. <laughs> uh, give this some thought. It might explain a lot of things to you. Whoa, Dad. That is really something. You should have told me before. Uh, I was going to. But I didn't want to overwhelm you or, or push you off your path. You've been doing just fine as you are. Be very careful of this information. It can make people crazy. Think about the way some people are behaving. This is for your ears only. They began walking again in the moonlight and the shadows of the leaves. It is kind of overwhelming. And there's more I need to tell you. Listen. Wendy expects Abby to leave the forest and come to town. She told me to speak to you and just say that Abby needs help. 
Wendy told you to speak to me? That's right. She said, tell her that Abby needs help. What kind of help? She'll know, was all Wendy said. <laughs> what good is that? I don't know. Believe me, I was surprised. Wendy hardly ever asks for help. She pushes help away. I tried to find out more, but you can't pressure Wendy. She says only what she wants to. Wendy saw me in the forest. She kissed me on the forehead, but we barely spoke. Fear nothing, she said. Peter smiled. Look at it like this. Wendy speaks to me, so I hike out to the garden center. Then Allison says, you're looking for me, and now you tell me you're worried about Abby and you expect her to get in touch. So, it all fits together. Wendy has her own way of finding out things. When she says something, it pays to listen. But, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm sure you know Milton Morphy's moving into the old Owens mansion. Already, he's got a watcher up there in that little glass room on top, studying the area with a telescope. It sounds absurd, but Abby must be high on his list of people to find. <sighs> I've been thinking about the same things. Peter stopped and turned to face Phoebe. Look, I wish I had an answer for you, but I'm as confused as you are. All I can do is tell you the truth, and that's the advice Wendy gave me. Just give her the message, she said. Let her think about it. And there's another thing she said. There are people who think Abby's wild and irresponsible, but it's not true. She has a purpose for what she does. Peter stopped again and looked at Phoebe. So there you have it. Wendy has confidence in you and Abby. They were standing on High Street, not far from Maine. Apple trees loomed in the shadows on both sides as they began strolling slowly down the hill. There were no cars. The sound of the late summer crickets had begun. One cricket and then another, singing across the orchard. They began walking again. Okay, I get it. Abby will find a way to see me like she promised. I'll come up with something. Her father put his arm around her shoulder and kissed the top of her head. Get word to Allison or Chi-Chi in a hurry if there's anything we can do. When they reached Main Street, at the bottom of the hill, Peter spoke again. I'll be visiting you. And Phoebe, you're doing good. I'm very proud. Thanks. 
I'm making this up as I go along, but I suppose everyone else is too. And don't forget, we love you. And I love you. Well, I'm going to slip off through the woods. I don't want anyone to know I'm in town. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Find all our podcasts, songs, and projects on our website, protectorsofthewood.com. And to all the eco-warriors out there, remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts.